Hello, and welcome back to The Movies, a pretty self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios, and today I am finally, finally, after weeks of being spoiled on the internet and dodging information about this movie like I'm dodging missiles flying from the sky, I finally saw Spider-Man No Way Home, directed by John Watts, uh, starring Tom Holland, Zendaya, Jacob Batalon, Marissa Tomei, John Favreau, and a whole litany of other people whom I will not dare reveal because unlike the internet and unlike the rest of the world, I am here for the overworked, whether that be by child or because of career. The people that have not immediately gone to see Spider-Man No Way Home yet, this is the podcast for you. There are no spoilers in this thing. I'm just going to talk about it. But I want to tell you about the story of me getting spoiled. My best friend took his son, he's like three years old, three or four years old, to go see the movie. And this kid, you know, I was hanging out at my friend's place that night, and the kid loves Spider-Man. He's got these little lights that, you know, you turn it on, and the whole room in the darkness lights up like Spider-Man. He's got Spider-Man paraphernalia everywhere. He walks out in this Spider-Man getup. You know, the stuff you can get at Walmart? This little costume that has the muscles on it, but since he's a chubby kid, the muscles like bulge out a little bit too far and the mask is too small for a normal face. And he walks out knowing everybody in this house knows that I've not seen this movie. He walks out, this adorable little kid looks me straight in the eye and says a spoiler. And I was so mad (laughs) at the time But at the same time, you cannot get mad at a little kid for spoiling something like that. And I come to find out that his mother told him to say it. And the genius of her is that she told me a spoiler that's not really a spoiler. But when you watch the movie, for a split second, I thought, oh my god, she actually spoiled this thing for me. How dare you? I was so mad. But anyway, I'm... uh gonna talk about spider-man no way home which follows the the uh the events of 2019's spider-man far from home in which spider-man after his fight with mysterio and mysterio ended up dying as a result of his you know drones basically killing him he post-death or like right before his death was able to frame Peter Parker for all the villainry in that movie and also did the one-two punch of revealing Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker. And now there are people that think Peter Parker is a murderer because Mysterio framed it all on him. And J. Jonah Jameson, who was played by J.K. Simmons, has started his one-man smear campaign using the Daily Bugle to revile Spider-Man as a menace. But it's not these things that drive Peter Parker over the edge. It's the fact that his secret identity is starting to affect his family and friends. That's what's really bothering him. So he goes over to Doctor Strange, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, 
to aplomb, by the way. I really love that movie and that character and uh, Cumberbatch's portrayal of it. But he goes to his place because Doctor Strange is a wizard and he's magic. And he's like, hey man, can you help me out? Doctor Strange offers Peter a spell where everyone can forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. But of course, what would a comic book adventure be without some kind of galactic screw-up? And of course, things get messed up. The spell doesn't go as planned. The multiverse starts cracking open. And villains from other universes start coming into Peter's backyard. So of course, it's his job to web all these villains up and send them back where they came from. That's kind of the simple fact here. Uh, excuse the violence that you may hear in the background. These are my cats playing with each other against the door. So no, I'm not currently undergoing some sort of home invasion. It's just the galactic warfare of two cats playing underneath the door. I may have to open the door in order to, like, let them hash it out amongst themselves. Uh, it's hard to talk about this one. Not because there are spoilers, but really because sometimes you just have to call a movie what it is. And this one is a legacy piece. It's a movie that has so many references to other Spider-Man movies and material that it, I wouldn't say, overcomes the story. Because in essence, that is the story. It very much feels now, in this part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that after the gigantic, arching 10-year story of the Infinity Saga, which started with Iron Man in 2008, ended with Spider-Man Far From Home as like the epilogue, Avengers Endgame and Far From Home in 2019, this is over a 10-year period where you tell this giant overarching story. And now the Marvel Cinematic Universe is resetting again. And so much like in Phase 1, where I would see marvel with something like captain america the first avenger or the incredible hulk for example try things to see what sticks uh they're playing around with the tone of their movies in the first marvel films are we going to go more science fiction are we going to go a little bit goofier are we going to dig into the darker side what area what kind of like route will the MCU go in in order to um, create the most success, the thing that makes the most sense, the thing that appeals to most people? And now I'm doing, and now I'm noticing a similar thing with the multiverse when you're watching shows like WandaVision and Loki, and even the new Doctor Strange movie will be titled Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This idea of multiple universes, multiple iterations of a character, basically means that Marvel can take whatever characters, whatever approaches, whatever stories, and find a way to explain it all as one collective piece without having to kind of retcon everything or keep it so rigid that... Uh, so rigidly connected to one uh, idea that it seems impossible to do. 
like it's the same kind of thing where you could reconcile the Netflix Daredevil show, which is a hard R, and also something like the soon-to-be-released Miss Marvel, which is a more uh, teenage, preteen comedy adventure show. You know, you can reconcile both of these things in the same universe with the idea of, of the multiverse, that there are infinite possibilities. And right now, especially with Spider-Man, we're in that try-and-see period. They're trying to see, well, can we bring in other universes in one movie? Will it make sense? Will people follow it? Uh, what can we do regarding cameos, references, Easter eggs? What can we do regarding all of these things and on one end of the spectrum you've got stuff like Shang-Chi where you can kind of like explore a different kind of hero story maybe play around with the structure uh just a little bit or just I think Shang-Chi is like the most straightforward superhero movie you've got uh they can play with flashbacks when it comes to Black Widow as far as the timeline they can play with the scope of the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Eternals. And in this one, I really do think they're trying to see what the multiverse can be in the confines of a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And because of that, it makes the Spider-Man stuff on its own, I guess, a little bit weaker. But it also kind of makes sense... It feels like Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of an outlier, and I'm not entirely sure if that's by design of character or just by the circumstance of what it took to make these movies. Because these are still owned by Sony Pictures. It's not Marvel Studios under the Disney banner. Marvel Studios may have produced it, but Sony is the one that owns it and distributes it. And they've got their own agendas, too. They want to do their Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, which includes people like Venom and Morbius and the soon-to-be-released Craven the Hunter movie that's starring Aaron Taylor Johnson, directed by J.C. Chander. That's coming out in the later future. And they own all the rights to these Spider-Man characters, including Spider-Man. And so they've got their agenda of what they want to do with Spider-Man, but at the same time, Spider-Man is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because, dang it, you know, you look at one Marvel piece of merchandise and it's the Avengers and Spider-Man because he is one of the most recognizable heroes on the face of the planet. He's Marvel's flagship hero. Even more so than Iron Man, I believe. And so watching that, it's strange because Spider-Man as a character by design, he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man is also burdened by this responsibility of having to live his everyday life while also taking care of New York. In a way, Spider-Man is designed to be alone. But, you know, this is also a universe where... The Fantastic Four live in the Baxter building, where Daredevil and the Defenders are just down the block in Hell's Kitchen. You know, when the whole shit hits the fan, it's a joke that people make, but it's got some truth to it. Where are the Avengers? Where are the other heroes? Why is it Spider-Man fighting Spider-Man battles alone? And I'm not harping on that. 
What I'm saying is that Spider-Man, I think by design, is meant to be an outlier. He's meant to be kind of like an outsider. He's meant to be alone. And the MCU is trying to integrate him in. In the last couple movies, they've been doing so using kind of more gimmicks. They've had him be Iron Man Jr. They've had him be the introduction to the multiverse. They've had him be kind of part of S.H.I.E.L.D., and again, some of these things are seen in the comics, but it always seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe has kind of put Spider-Man and the Spider-Man story on the back burner in favor of expanding what they can do with their universe, trying some things out, seeing what people will go with because Spider-Man is such a popular character. And so for the purists at heart, I wouldn't say that No Way Home necessarily gets you to that point of just Spider-Man doing Spider-Man things. It's very much building on all of the lore that Spider-Man fans understand about the character and just playing out different scenarios. If you've been a Spider-Man fan watching movies for the past 20 years, there is likely something in here that's for you. And I do say that's one of the benefits of the film is that they get to play a little fan fiction with some of the earlier entries and not in cheap ways. I would say there's enough nuance in some of the ways they address the earlier films or the earlier iterations of Spider-Man that I found kind of enthralling and I kind of wanted a little bit more of that. Uh, and I guess... You know, when you do see the villains from other universes playing together, that's one of the things I just love about Spider-Man in general. The giant rogues gallery, similar to Batman, and the interactions between the villains. I found there's something that I don't get as often in the Marvel Universe that I got here. And I actually did enjoy seeing the villains kind of bounce off each other and banter. It made them feel a little bit more intimate. And that's kind of one of the fun things about Spider-Man as a whole is that he does have a relationship with his villains, a little bit more intimate, a little bit more uh, connected. You know, the quips aren't just quips, they're humanizing because the villains will quit right back at him. You know, that's something I appreciated on this one. Uh, can I just straight up say I'm not a fan of Tom Holland? I've tried, and I don't know... Because this version of Spider-Man does come off as naive. He does come off as extremely uh, foolish. or he, He's got heart. He just doesn't have brains nor wisdom to back it up. And I think Holland leans in so much into the gosh-golly aspect of the wide-eyed naivete that it just bugs me. And I don't take any other emotion that he has seriously except for the I'm confused and please help me, puppy dog look. I'm sorry, it's just Holland. Uh, I'm going to keep bringing up Tenderbar every time I'm on this podcast, aren't I? Uh, Ty Sheridan and Tenderbar, I think he would have handled this with a lot more, I guess a little bit more grit, a little bit more realism to what it's like to be a teenager. I don't know, I like Sheridan a lot. And I know he's Cyclops in the Fox universe, but who cares? We're mixing universes all over the place, who cares? Uh, I would have liked Sheridan in this. Uh, Zendaya, I really like. I think she's great uh, dealing with her idiot boyfriend. 
she's so much more competent and smart than everybody in the room and the movie gives her like a couple times to let that shine but man it needs to be more often you know there needs to be an alternate universe where mj is spider woman because she's a genius uh ned's grandma i'm not gonna reveal the scene as you as expected but Ned's grandma is my personal best supporting actress for last year because I think every scene with her is great. Uh, the movie, the last couple movies have kind of written Aunt May, played by Marissa Tomei, as some kind of eye candy. And they try to flesh out her story a little bit more. I feel it's too little too late. And it didn't quite, how to, how to explain this? It felt like it was more for the benefit of the Spider-Man character and not the Aunt May character. And to that, it kind of just bummed me out that we've had Marissa Tomei, such a wonderful actress, in three movies amounting to, you know, not much more than the butt of some eye candy jokes. But that's my thing. Uh... As far as, I guess, the look of the movie, I like the look of the movie when it's in the daylight. Uh, some of the fights in the darkness, I found myself getting a little bit lost, and I guess that was in mix to part of the production design. Some of the fights, I feel, are kind of recycled from other movies. Uh, there's a bridge fight in the trailer that looks like something out of Winter Soldier, and there's something at the end that reminds me of kind of Iron Man 3. There's, I think, another one that's a uh, resemblance of Civil War, in a weird way and the production design on some of these i feel they create these battle sequences with layers but they don't shoot it in a way that gives you the good geography of where i'm at so it just feels kind of like a jumbled edited mess and the best uh, fights in the movie are the ones in the daytime there's something that uh has a lot of cgi and whiz bang and it's in the background and that fight the one that has all the kind of like swirling uh cg in it i actually ended up really liking i thought spider-man worked well in that anytime that you get to see spider-man move more like in the comics with limbs flailing out and his body sort of contorted any device that lets him kind of like get involved with that is always the best look for the character. I found there was a better mix of CG and practical work in this too. I actually really appreciated that. Michael Giacchino's score. Uh, I've grown <laughs> to like the new uh, theme for the MCU Spider-Man. It's a little bouncier, jauntier, more playful. But in this one, again, since we're hearkening back to earlier iterations, you hear it in the music too. And it's not just like a quick, you know, nav and grab, you know. It's one of those things where the feeling, the tone, the timbre of other uh, Spider-Man music is woven within the compositions and i actually really enjoyed how that came about um let me think do i really have any more to say here it, it's weird it's one of those movies that i liked as soon as i left and the more i think about it 
the kind of less that kind of sits with me. There's definitely a piece that's about maybe like 30, 45 minutes in it that I think is just master gold. And it's gold because I'm a huge Spider-Man nut at heart. And then the rest of it I found was just another Spider-Man story. It felt like watching a TV show. Like, that was the kind of level of uh, emotion I ended up pulling into it. It's just like, yeah, this is a story, it's here, and then we're going to move on to the next one. And I don't know if I wanted that from my Spider-Man. I don't think I've ever really fully recovered from how well-woven something like Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 or my favorite media of Spider-Man, you know, the into the spider-verse i think into the spider-verse does a lot of what new way no way home does but the script's just better woven i love the animation more i love the action more i love the character work more just i think it's just the better version of this movie and if you want to talk just spider-man on spider-man's terms living within the universe and all the villains and all the craziness but still keeping the core of the character all his personal problems are still as interesting, if not more interesting, than the crazy uh, superhero whiz-bang around him. The Spectacular Spider-Man is an underrated TV show, and if you haven't seen those two seasons, I think it's brilliant. Uh, captures Peter Parker and uh, the troubles of Spider-Man and the universe in such a smart and emotionally fulfilling way that I just don't think no way home does in part maybe because it just owes so much to the marvel cinematic universe around it i really do think that for you know whatever spider-man movies may come down the road we've gotta let the man alone you gotta leave him kind of isolated it's almost gotta be kind of like the ant-man movies or something like shang chi where you can just tell a story with this guy and don't have to bring in so many references or bring in so many characters. Just let Spider-Man be Spider-Man. And I think we'll find that maybe we'll get some stronger material. But as is No Way Home, it's a delight for Spider-Man fans. It is empty calories and a sugar rush and a high that you know if you're gonna have a big juicy cheeseburger with a stupidly ridiculously sized uh, milkshake at the end of it you can't get much more fun than uh some of the stuff that happens in this movie so i do recommend it it's not my favorite spider-man movie by a long shot but hell it's a movie that i would recommend you actually see in the theater because, you know, it sounds great. And you need the big, you need the spectacle. As uh, Scorsese would say, the spectacle. All right, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the movies. I don't really know where I'm going to go with my next episode. And so I hope you all will stick around. Follow me on Twitter at movies underscore pod. And again, I've been Daniel Berrios. Thank you very much again for listening. Y'all take care. And I'll see you around. Thank you.